Hello and welcome. We're Safe Sport International, a global charity dedicated to empowering children and adults to experience sport in an inclusive and safe environment. We are passionate and experienced global safeguarding leaders with a vision to end all forms of non-accidental violence, abuse and exploitation in sport. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Hello and welcome to Developing Safeguarding Advocacy in Sport. My name is Jo Norman. In this podcast, we discuss topics that some listeners may find distressing, so please do listen with caution. Today, we'll be exploring the need for safeguarding advocacy in sport. And I'm very pleased to have with me Marcella. Welcome, Marcella. Perhaps you would say a bit about your work. Hello, Joe. Nice to join you on this podcast. I think for, for me, Joe, the, the very basis of advocacy goes very goes very much back to recognizing the impact on somebody when they've been harmed. And I think what we have to acknowledge is that the majority of people are harmed by somebody that they know. If we then move that into the sports sector, the majority of the time they will be harmed by somebody who potentially could be in a position of trust. So somebody, for example, somebody maybe like a coach or somebody who has an influence as to whether or not that person might be in part of the representative team or maybe represent in terms of their country or that they get onto the first team. So again, often somebody who has an influence over them. So what we do know for any person who has become a victim of harm and abuse, whether that's you know emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, we know the very starting point to say, and put up their hand and say, this has happened to me. Can you listen to what has happened to me? That is huge. It's huge for anybody. But to have a voice to be able to say that to somebody who is going to have to listen to that and know that you're saying it against somebody who maybe is being perceived as a safe person, perceived as somebody in a position of power and trust um, against somebody whom everybody else perceives as very safe, very good, very positive. So therefore, to me, advocacy is required in order to ensure that a victim voice is properly firstly heard and listened to, supported, but also validated in terms of being able to say what they need to say. And I think the other key thing as well is let's remember that whenever you've become a victim of harm, it affects how you perceive things. And sometimes trying to get your narrative across can appear jumbled to other people, can appear out of context, can appear where you, you're, if you're being questioned at all, often then people tend to start to retract, start to panic. And often, therefore, their narrative doesn't necessarily come across in a very coherent manner, which questions sometimes then their belief and validity. So to me, advocacy provides therefore also that clarity. So it's about listening to the victim. It's about making sure that they are heard. It's about helping them navigate the journey of the process of disclosure. But it also allows them as well to have an opportunity to sit with somebody to provide clarity around what is it you need to tell us? When did that happen? Put a sequence to it to enable them that then when they're questioned by other agencies, that they have a clarity to that, which will assist in their validation of what has happened. From what you're saying is people do need to um, have some something that's independent from the service because they may be abused by people they ha- who are in authority in coaching, um, looking after them and so on in the service. 
So they need that independence so that they can be truly listened to and that person will understand what they will do with that information um, and support the person in getting the right services that they need. In particular, who will specifically need this type of service and, and why do you think they'll need this service? I think it's a very good question because I think sometimes we can some make an assumption as, a, as, as to who might need it. I think for me, I would probably say that advocacy should be available to all and that anybody should have the opportunity to speak to an independent person and, and an advocate to, in particular, where I just made reference to, trying to help them I suppose formulate their thoughts and what it is that they want to tell people how they want to tell who they want to tell and what does that feel like in terms particularly as they maybe for example go through the criminal justice process and and if there's an investigation but I think in particular if we think for example of children I think in particular children need to be assisted because there is a huge power imbalance and of course that can be applicable for adults as well but for children in particular, it is about sometimes even helping them have the words for what has happened. Um, because sometimes they're telling us information and they don't realize they're actually disclosing abuse. So for them in particular, I think they need assistance and guidance in terms of what it is that they're trying to say. But if we also add to that, if that child and or adult has any other additional needs or, uh, or special needs, uh, particularly would it be known as or indeed known as a vulnerable adult historically, but much more recently now in terms of known as an adult um, at risk. And it both for me, they in particular need the advocacy because they do need assistance to understand what's going to happen now, explaining um, the processes in a much more easier way in an easier format and very much slowing things down for them, helping them to understand what's going to happen next. But also as well as that, sometimes it's also as simple as letting them have a a range of methods of telling, whether that's verbal, whether that's through the use of art, whether that's through the use of an interpreter. Um, And I think therefore in particular, any person who has any additional vulnerabilities that they absolutely would require an advocate to ensure that they are not further exploited or in some way that the processes, whether that's the criminal justice processes or statutory services processes, doesn't by default further cause them harm by making them feel that they they weren't listened to. I think everybody should have an opportunity to have an advocate, but I think there are certain sections um, of persons involved in sport where an advocate should be really mandatory that they have an, that they have that opportunity to do that, and that that mandate that that person is accessible to them throughout the whole process, and also then afterwards in terms of accessing therapeutic or intervention or support services. You, you've touched on the issues of, uh, of vulnerability. Why are children particularly vulnerable? We're talking about international the sport and the age of of the child is different it could be different in um a reaching adulthood could be different in different countries and attitudes to children are different so what what is it about being a child that makes them particularly at risk i think well i think there's several different reasons because you're quite right what you've mentioned there is is that the breadth and diversity across the global world in terms of ages of consent can be very different different throughout the world However, regardless of the age of consent, 
there still is that childlikeness, uh, there is that vulnerability. Um, and I think the reason why I think in particular they need advocates is because firstly, um, a child is very easily silenced. Um, a child is very easily dismissed. Um, a child is very easily threatened. Um, they're very easily groomed. They're very easily manipulated. And they're also very easily silenced. I think that's the key thing. And, and therefore, for me, there's something about making sure that that I suppose particularly if they are being identified as an elite, potentially becoming an elite athlete, um, that they are further protected in that their voice is really heard. And even that can be sometimes with parents who feel they're trying to balance if we do something with this, is this going to affect our child's performance or the coaches or the club who will maybe benefit from that child going on to perform? So the advocate will put the child's voice first, the child's needs first um, and very much the paramountcy of the child and that they can see outside of sometimes those other influences, which can really affect a child being able to put forward their story and their narrative as to what has happened. And I think for those reasons, that the advocate can, I suppose, step outside those um, emotional ties and, and maybe, for example, financial ties, the emotional ties, the family ties, the club ties, um, and they can act on behalf of the child, which is really what's important. That, that clarity um, is so important to have somebody who is completely focused on the child and can also identify, firstly, when the child needs to discuss issues, but also the, uh, the, the concern around exploitation of children, children meeting adults' needs, which, uh, again, could be a fairly common experience for many children when they're playing their different sports. So how does that translate for, then for adults at risk? I think for me, it's, it's, it's exactly the same because I think for, um, there's something about firstly recognising when you become a victim um, of abuse, in some way you become an adult at risk because of the vulnerability that's now been placed. Not everybody knows that vulnerability. So therefore, you know, your other other participants, other athletes, um, the club, the coaches, the participants may not know that you've become a victim. But when you know you are, there is a vulnerability. And therefore, again, I believe everybody has the right to somebody else to support them through this process, because we have to recognize the cognitive, the psychological, the physiological and the behavioral impact of whenever you become a victim and that that affects how you perceive how other people are hearing you, listening to you, responding to you, whether they're believing you. And again, I think there's something as well, particularly if you're on an elite athlete journey as to how the emphasis is on the sport takes precedent. And it again, the pressure maybe on that athlete from a parent, um, a pressure from maybe a partner, the pressure from the club. So again, I think how it presents with the adult is even more complex because they're probably aware of the wider, for example, financial implications um, of their future implications. So I think, again, the, having an advocate allows them to center um, as to what it is that has happened to them regardless of whether or not they are an elite, elite athlete in order to continue to support them to be able to, to follow through and what it is that they want to do and help keep them focused so they don't feel they have to judge one or the other. I can't report because I am an elite athlete or I can't report because of the impact on the club. 
but actually an advocate would help them talk their way through this, which I think would be really important. And that must uh, stem from the uh, assumption of status for, for adults as well to be in a particular position of representing other adults in sports um, and the uh, perhaps pressures associated with that. That's brilliant. Thank you for that, Marcella. Which I just want to ask why we can't just simply ask coaches to train and be advocates for their athletes. I think firstly, we have to recognise that coaches have a particular role. And I think being an advocate is somebody who's independent and can step outside of the athlete being an athlete, but actually being a person who has the right to be protected, who has the right to perform their sport safely. And coaches aren't necessarily always the person who can put that athlete first because their focus is getting the best out of that athlete in terms of performance. And so for me, it's about making sure as well that an advocate is somebody who understands the physical, psychological and cognitive and and physiological impact of being a victim of harm. And that means, therefore, the advocate can really listen to what somebody's saying. Whereas if you're not trained for that understanding of victimization and how a victim may present, particularly your coach, it will be minimized, potentially. It'll be dismissed. Other things will be brought into play, such as, well, if you tell this is what's going to happen or if you tell that's going to affect the rest of the of the club, if you tell that I'm not going to be able to put you on the first team. So other influences will come in by the coach, not necessarily out of a, of a, of a wish to deter, but maybe out of a sense of, well, what's going to be the impact if you tell? That's not what the advocate, the advocate is there to enable the athlete to be able to have confidence in talk, sharing their narrative, sharing what has happened and to get a, an independent understanding of on what do you want to do about this and taking them on that journey. And I don't believe the coach necessarily has all of that holistic view of the athlete in order to help them to make that decision. And I don't feel it's suitable that coaches become the advocates. So the conflict of interest going on there where the sport is the focus um, and, and success in the sport is the focus for the coach, the advocate, it's the well-being and the interests of the individual. So thank you everyone for listening to the Safe Sport International podcast, this first one. And we're keen to encourage all to join us in creating a safe space within sport that everybody can survive in and thrive in. Thank you and goodbye, Marcella. It's been really a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you very much, Joe. Thank you for listening to the Safe Sport International podcast. You can find more information about our work and resources, including details of our annual conference at safesportinternational.com. If you've been affected by any of the topics covered in this episode, you can find details of help and support at safesportinternational.com forward slash getting help. Finally, please do help us spread the word about safeguarding in sport by leaving us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts.